In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis. And for today's recording, I'm recording from the U.S., where the holiday season is really in full swing, with Hanukkah just ending and Christmas on its way. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And welcome back to our returning listeners. And if you're new, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization digitalization and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we have talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So download us on iTunes. We're actually ranked number four this month in iTunes. Download this series. Listen to us and for great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. You can also connect with me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or go to my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net and tell me what you want to hear about. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you're a professional, a business person with a passion or an expert on a business subject, reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We do have a worldwide audience. But even if you don't want to be a guest, if you are in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for your business or yourself. Now, on to what we're going to talk about today. On paper, things have never looked better for female entrepreneurs. In fact, more than 11 million U.S. firms are now owned by women, employing nearly 9 million people and generating $1.7 trillion in sales. And this is according to the 2017 data from the National Association of Women Business Owners. But these numbers only tell part of the story. Women-owned firms are still in the minority, and the hurdles faced by women who have embraced entrepreneurship are vast and often very different than those experienced by their male colleagues. But regardless, if you are a woman or a man, there are a lot of hurdles entrepreneurs face and it is not always easy to choose the path of entrepreneurship. It can be very rewarding and it can be very, you can be very successful, but it also can be very hard. And our guest today has not only started one business and been successful, but has started many businesses and while raising a family. She has positively always looked for the next opportunity, and she's going to tell us a little bit about how she did it and some of the lessons she's learned on the way. Our guest today is Lara Morgan, and she's a British entrepreneur with a track record of delivering exceptional accelerated growth. Her investment strategy is pinned to improving life's journey, and she is currently CEO, MD, of a portfolio of seven consumer services businesses, which she works with on a daily basis. She is an inspirational leader, 
with a legacy of building world-class teams and aligning organizations behind a clear strategy. She practices the art of selling and creating win-win customer partnerships for her brands 24-7. Her specific expertise is in strategy, customer insight and brand development, multi-channel and multi-site management, and organic or MA partnership-driven expansion. Lara invests in British bands, brands, including Centered Me, the 100% natural portable mood therapy brand, Dry Robe, the ultimate change robe, Gate 8, lightweight timing, time-saving functional business luggage, Kits Bricks, modular sports kit bags, and Yogi Bear and Global Amenities Direct are the two other companies that Laura has built in line with her portfolio strategy. Laura is also the proud mother of three teenage girls and a committed volunteer. She is actively engaged with various global nonprofits as a trustee board member or advisor. She speaks regularly at industry events. She has also commented uh, live on TV on such programs um, on Sky, BBC News, and she's also appeared on BBC Two's The Apprentice, You're Fired. Laura has the, been the finalist, finalist in Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award three times. She is a published author of the Amazon best-selling book, More Balls Than Most, and is the co-founder <laughs> of Start Up. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you so much. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was so many companies that we were talking about. So, um, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting you at We Connect in London. And, um, you know, this is just with all these companies, you are such an entrepreneur. How did you start out with this? A little bit about your story first. I mean, very briefly, because it's a long time ago. My dad went bankrupt um, when I was 18. I just left school. Um, I started paying rent after two weeks, which I think is a baptism for anybody. But, you know, I, I by chance, um, fell into a sales role. I wanted to be a golf professional, actually, so life doesn't necessarily turn out the way we plan it. Um, I started selling promotional giveaways in Hong Kong. I'd actually been educated in Scotland, born in Germany, so I saw the world as a small place. Uh, and very simply, I sort of I took to sales as a conversation and, um, you know, used my ears more than my mouth because... I really didn't know what I was doing. I had no training and then found myself five years later in, in the United Kingdom in the middle of a recession needing to eat and there were no jobs. So it was like make a job as opposed to take a job. There were no jobs to take and I started selling. Um, inglorious as it might seem, I started uh, offering what is a category which is relatively unknown to anybody. And I, my first deal was selling a sewing kit to a unbelievably prestigious hotel called Dorchester. Um, I sold those goods in borrowed clothes from a friend of my mum's. Um, frankly, uh, none of it was planned, and I, I, I can't be you know, anything other than grateful for being so long ago given an opportunity to sell some products by a friend of ours in Asia who, who really opened the door for me. Mm-hmm. Then that was your first your first step out to the world. When you're going through this, um, you know, not you said something about not really having the training or not having this, you know, not you know, being new yeah. at this. Did you did you have any self doubt as you were doing this? Yeah, I mean, I, I shook on the stairs of the Dorchester. I <laughs> I remember being terrified in lift lobbies, and you know, <laughs> it's 
just one of those things where sometimes you have to bite the bullet. And I guess I got used to being outside my comfort zone because hunger and, and primarily chocolate actually drive me. So, um, you know, if you need to eat, you need to sell. And it was, it was pretty simple that I was leading, you know, a very privileged life, paying rent to my parents. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed having conversations about how we could move somebody else's business in the right direction, having understood and hopefully listened a bit about what they were trying to achieve. And the first thing I ever sold was ridiculous because I was a 20, no, I wasn't, I was an 18-year-old selling a promotional giveaway item, which was a baby's bib to a milk food company who wanted to sell more milk food. And given the fact that I knew nothing about babies, nothing about milk food, nothing about retail, nothing about pretty much anything, what I learned very early on is, is that much of much of conversation, much of everything that I've done, I apply common sense and, and that has served me well. So terrified um, enough to be quiet and to take the small amount of skills, which is listen more and then ultimately look for return for the customer. Because if you can be successful for the customer and you can demonstrate value and return, then they're always going to come back. So, so focusing on common sense and, and listening, um, listening was a really important part of this. And is this how you started? Because we all start out with, with knowledge gaps, okay? And you said you didn't know anything about retail, babies, milk or bibs yeah. or whatever. How, how, how do you close those knowledge gaps? I mean, in my case, um, I was very privileged. I, I, I had a great education in the, in the sense that the broad education I had um, – also included the basics of, you know, project work and go to the library and learn. And actually, my first business, Pacific Direct, many moons ago, I used to go to the library on a Sunday and I might spend six hours in a freezing cold library writing out because we weren't allowed to photocopy Yellow Pages hotel sections so that on the Monday I could spend all day on the telephone selling to hotels. And actually, that's probably why I still have somewhat of a memory for many of the luxury five-star hotels in London's <laughs> phone number because it was quicker to learn them. And it's that kind of, you know, just practical application and then using the sales hours of the day, which I had already learned in my previous jobs, that, you know, if I could do admin and other stuff when I wasn't needing to talk or listen to the customer, and if I could be in as many meetings as I could be in, then ultimately I would come away with, you know, opportunity, hopefully partly qualified, and this is all language that I've learned since, but then I would quite often potter off to the equivalent of a Barnes & Noble in America is W.H. Smith, and there's, you know, frankly, there are bookshops everywhere with business sections, and I am still, you know, buying books and devouring business books, and it's kind of become more of a hobby because I love it, but I was just teaching myself through reading for the first nine years of running my own company what frankly, because I was very young, I was 23, I, you know, I, I, did, I was embarrassed. I didn't have a degree, didn't have any business qualifications. So I kind of built my own armory of knowledge and then just started applying the stuff that seemed to be sensible. And, and that was as you started with your first business. Did, 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 it, did it get any easier the second time or, or is, was it a continuing? Um, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of, what do you call the second time? So, yeah. you know, during Pacific Direct's history, I bought a company in the Czech Republic and, you know, I'd never acquired a business. So because I knew nothing, I employed great lawyers. And, and those are the lessons around employing great people that allowed that business to progress in the same way that when we opened in Asia, you know, I employed the best of the rest 
actually from the competition to do sales representation. And, you know, that was a new company. And then when we opened in America, I remember wanting to employ a really great sales guy. And he came for an interview and he said, I will not join your business until unless you use great CRM software. And actually, mm-hmm. it's many moons ago, but that was the early days of Salesforce.com. And, you know, I learned from other people by seeking out really talented individuals who, you know, frankly, had more skills and more ability, but ultimately could, you know, follow a passion and a, a purpose, which, you know, I didn't even really clarify because I didn't even really know those things were important. But in my head, I kind of applied that sort of do the best that you can do, listen to the customer, try and innovate to lead the field because that seems, you know, that makes you more interesting to the customer. So innovation counts. And ultimately, you know, business in my view is a race. So if you have a determination to win a race, then you've got to be the fastest, leanest, meanest, as if you were a competitive athlete. And, you know, I come from a competitive background and I'm, I apply competition to walking upstairs because I'm that mad. You know, mm-hmm. I can't help yeah. myself. <laughs> well, it's inspiring. Um, Laura, we're going we're gonna to take a short break. And when we come back, I, I want to I talk a little bit about some of those things you've, you've just said that you've learned, listening to come up customers, be innovative, do it like a race. And I think you're also saying surround yourself by um, talented people is what I've heard, is one of the – Steps for success. Yeah, so I'd like to talk a little bit about that when we come back. And for our listeners, we're speaking with Lara Morgan. She's a British entrepreneur with a track record of delivering exceptional accelerated growth. Her investment strategy is pinned to improving life journey, and she's currently CEO, MD of a portfolio of seven consumer services businesses, which she works with on a daily basis. She's also the published author of the Amazon best-selling business book, More Balls Than Most. And you can reach Laura on her website, lauramorgan.co.uk, and also under social media, hashtag IAM. Lara Morgan. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. And today we're speaking with Laura Morgan, a British entrepreneur with a track record of delivering exceptional accelerated growth. She's a published author of Amazon's best-selling business book, more balls than most. So, Laura, before the break, we were talking about um, some of the things that you thought were important as you were, you were, you know, building these businesses and learning. And, and you talked about surrounding yourself with talented people. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, delighted to because, I mean, I think the difference between sort of a small business and a proper growth business is everything to do with the trust of the people the way we recruit our people, the way we care for our people. And I'm in a, you know, sort of I would feel quite hypocritical to say that I do this well at the moment, but there was a time at Pacific Direct when we had, you know, nearly 500 people in nine countries with two factories and 17 different languages. And to build a culture and to invest in culture is, you know, without question, one of the most important things any leader can do. So, you know, first of all, there's leadership by example where, you set a framework for culture where the business understands whether you're a bootstrap business. And that's and a really basic example is in the entire 17 years I ran Pacific, mm-hmm. every person in the business knew I traveled in economy class and I never traveled in business unless, frankly, I had enough points. And I never paid for business class because the principle of the business was it was pretty bootstrapped and we shared in the rewards. But that meant that everybody was on an even playing field. So I think, first of all, leadership has to live and breathe and die by the culture that they set. And, you know, I I became more educated and more ambitious. So together, we agreed that the purpose would be to be the greatest um, luxury licensed supplier of fabulous brands to hotels and, and that these would be supplied by people that, you know, in my view, were the best in the business. So great people supplying great properties with great toiletries products. And we did that on a global basis. But it meant that you know, there was an expectation, even at recruitment, where I used to, I mean, it sounds so horrific when I think about it, but, you know, I used to say to people at at the interview, I will get my ounce of flesh. I am like a Shylock, (laughs) you know, and if you don't enjoy giving your ounce of flesh, and if you don't want to work your backside off, then you're going to join the wrong organization, because we move really quickly here. And I think quite often, you know, small enterprising companies forget to communicate the brutality of the you know, discomfort of the agility required and how different enterprise is, frankly, for many cushy workplaces and corporate environments where, frankly, we don't have the luxury for that because we are in the learning zone. There's no proven strategy and you're experimenting with the small budgets that you have to achieve 
the best return on investment. And so, you know, the language that everybody understood, I don't care about turnover, I care about profit. Um, mm-hmm. If you're not happy in your role, communicate it. There should be links of reward to key performance indicators. And, you know, ultimately, not everybody likes cake. So the other thing is, is, you know, when you're rewarding something, I learned, and I think it's really important, is reward somebody the thing they love. Don't reward them the thing that you like and think they should like too. So, mm-hmm. for example, and rather childishly, you know, one of my executives once said to me, don't give me flowers, give me a bottle of gin and a straw. Um, I mean, that is my PA, so you can probably understand why she wanted that. But quite genuinely, you know, that's a great example of a reward for her is not flowers, but she likes gin. Mm -hmm. So let's give her gin, you know, Mm -hmm. within reason and not too much. But, you know, the idea that you get to know your team, you spend the time, um, you know, with your team, you laugh with your team, you, you know, sit on the floor of airport lounges when flights are delayed with your team. And if you can't, Laugh, you know, laugh and look back at some of those experiences, then I think you've missed some of the enormity of the extraordinarily exciting but quite scary, very hard work journey of enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that uh, that's that really really hits home with me, and and um, I, I hope it's resonating with our listeners because what you're saying is so important. And let me let me just add on to that a little bit. So, how do you? go about picking your team. One of the things I see entrepreneurs, I mean, having a supporting network and a good team is so important. Do you have, have yeah. you learned anything about doing that over the years? Yeah, for sure I have. So, I mean, first of all, from the outset, um, I think there's a word for it now, but I think you can go to prison and I think it's called stalking. But mm-hmm. in the old days, you know, I would network my socks off and I would go to every industry event and I tried to go to every in- educational event that was free because I was too mean to pay. And, um, at events I would meet impressive people. And I, I literally started building a black book of, wouldn't it be amazing if one day I could afford that person. And one of the most memorable ones, which is, I think also another lesson that you don't need clones. You need to understand that a business is made up of all sorts of skill sets. Mm-hmm. And at a point where my young company was kind of emerging and we're still a baby, I remember employing this marvelous gentleman called Jim Johnston, who was 56 years old when I was 27 years old. And I had known Jim for the best part of three, four years and been utterly terrified of him. And frankly, the idea that he would even enjoy my, you know, join my enterprise, let alone work with me, I felt so deeply honored that I was spending more time selling him the business Pacific and, and exciting him. And I think if you can do that with the people that you target and that you see skills and you, you know, today I'm so lucky there are people 20 years ago that started working with me as, frankly, young people who are now in my, in my senior team running their own business within the group. And, you know, Abby Somerville is an example. She's in Global Amenities. And I spotted her as a part-time receptionist And I just said to her, what do you want from the rest of your life? You know, you're hugely engaging. You've got natural skills. Tell me a bit about you. And I think, you know, it's that black book stalking in a nice, friendly way within the bounds of legality. Mm -hmm. You know, that relentless passion to find great people. And then, you know, I even interviewed someone last night who is an industry competitor. And I respect her so enormously. But actually, we just had a conversation and who knows what might happen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's really good advice. Thank you. And and Laura, when you're doing 
this, okay? You get the little black book going and think, this mm. whole thing, let, let's go back to the women's entrepreneurial aspect again. Um, yeah. When you first started out, did you find that you were had challenges at being taken seriously or, you know, uh, as you said, you were terrified of this man and then you ended up you know, working with him and and with a mutual respect. Yeah. How was that journey? Because I hear a lot of women say it's so hard to be taken seriously in the beginning and to actually actually have people understand what you're trying to build. So first of all, I'll tell you the worst. I mean, the earliest experience was I got turned down for a pathetically small overdraft facility from a bank. And it was a guy who was pretty much my age. And, you know, I still feel to this day and that's pretty pathetic of me, 27 years on, pretty aggrieved because I, I presented a good plan. I even took my accountant along because I remember thinking, oh, well, they don't, won't think I'm competent, so I'll take someone grown up with me. And, <laughs> you know, the truth is, is that all the way along, I have known and I have been conscious that many, many times I am a woman in a room of men. Mm-hmm. But what I also know is, is that throughout my career, and I'm not the only woman, we prepare better. I think we think more broadly. We have a better gut instinct. And I don't know what it is, but I have gravitated many, many times to working with fabulous people, but quite often women that are single mums and juggling everything. And, you know, I've been extremely lucky at finding extremely talented people. But, you know, I just say to them, you know, it's an equal race. And I actually... You know, I, I even challenge women in organizations like We Connect. don't spend your time too much with women because this is, you know, mm-hmm. the world is a big place, but it's mixed. And mm-hmm. I also think that it's down to the women to step up, Kimberly. I think yes. it's down to the women to present themselves. I mean, now as an investor, frankly, there's nothing worse than having a sort of deeply average, giggly, silly, uncertain presentation of a brilliant product, you know, mm-hmm. represent your product with pride. I don't care whether you're a girl or a boy. I care that you're a professional and that you know mm-hmm. what you're doing and you're an industry expert. And I, I, I think we are not ambitious enough. You know, I have three girls of my own and I'm terribly, terribly clear that, you know, I was lucky. I had an older brother who used to thump me when I was annoying and you have to stand up to bullies like that. So mm-hmm. maybe everybody needs an older brother, but I... I do think a mentor can help. I think that women have got a mix in the mixed playground. And I actually think mentally, you know, I I bet you my bottom dollar, I still bet everybody this. You know, who invented the glass ceiling, the language of the glass ceiling? I don't Mm -hmm. know of any men that are creative or bright enough to invent that language. So it was a woman. Why are we putting ourselves down? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense. So, do you think, Laura, you know, when you're saying, you know, stepping up and stepping out, so this this first means that we have to step out of our comfort zones because we all have a comfort zone. Sure. Then we have to step step up to the plate um, to make sure that we're competitive enough. And that's what you said before. It is a race. I mean, athletes do that all yeah. the time. And then yeah. you need to you also need to become comfortable with risk. Um, I, do you have conversations with with entre, other entrepreneurs and and about risk, because risk is very scary. And, and how did you become comfortable with risk? So, you know, that is a, I mean, that is a question that I am asked too many times, because really the truth is, is that business is about momentum and progress and learning lessons and trying stuff. And sometimes we fail and then we have to bounce back. And 
So I would say risk is about calculated decisions and everything. Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. we do, crossing a road carries more risk. So my view is do your numbers, and this is really key. But also build time, and this is something, again, going back to the female question. Build time to give yourself the self-care and the knowledge that allows you to say no to the stuff that isn't going to put you on your path, no to the stuff that is probably too much nurture and not enough business drive, which, you know, simplistically being, you've got to make time to decide mm-hmm. what your purpose is. You've got, to, you've got to build organizational skills and an attitude. And, you know, sometimes, frankly, and, and forgive me if this is offensive, but you are going to have uncomfortable, sweaty, knickered moments where mm-hmm. you're going to put yourself in a place and actually you might not know the answers, but you know what? That's where you've just got to look at yourself and put your shoulders back and put your chest out and go, I can do this. And even if I fail, but I learn, as long as I've had a go, I will never have a regret. And I just don't Mm -hmm. do regret. So more no's to build more time, Mm -hmm. more value of self, you know, certainty. and, And don't think of it as risk. Just think of it as progress and opportunity and just learn to live with making mistakes fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I mean, calculated decisions is really, really critical in business. And, and it's also critical in the balance. And, and you, you just said that you, um, had three, you have three daughters. And so you're doing all this while raising a family. Okay. So mm-hmm. how did you, how, how did you do that balance? Okay. Um, because this this is so much work, and is there so any? Honestly, suggest- there is no such thing as balance, and I think yeah. you know. Sorry, I'm deeply passionate about this, but the idea that I can be slim and sexy, happily married, and I am very happily married, but also the best mother in the world and the greatest business person and fit as a fit. fit. You know, the truth is, is that when I'm fat and miserable, my business is running well and my husband probably doesn't find me attractive. When my (laughs) kids know who I am and they actually really wish I wasn't there and I'm looking gorgeous, my business is in the toilet. And the point is, is that it's just a constant roller coaster. And if somebody is not ready for this constant roller coaster and if somebody has not picked, and by the way, my best selective recruitment decision was my husband. You know, um, and I say that with tongue in cheek, but actually I genuinely mean it. You know, you need partnerships um, and you need friends and you need colleagues who are going to look after you sometimes when the chips are down. And, and you know, that reality and, and self-celebration, and it, it may be the smallest celebration in the world. You know, I encourage individuals that run businesses, and I don't really care whether you're man or woman. I just care that you're clearly trying to do the best and you do it ethically. But what is wrong with, you know, celebrating your small wins for yourself to give you the boost Mm -hmm. to come back and fight another day? And what Mm -hmm. is wrong with talking to yourself and, you know, self-congratulations? Because nobody else is going to do it for you, which is also why people need to join, you know, business groups and have a mentor and get some help because we all need constant education. I mean, the Mm -hmm. only thing in business that is the constant is change, and that is not easy for all human nature. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And with that, we're going to, that's great words of wisdom, Laura. And we're going to take a short break now. Um, and during our break, we're going to congratulate ourselves <laughs> for the first two segments here. Okay? So, and for our listeners, we're speaking with Laura Morgan, a British entrepreneur with a track record of delivering exceptional accelerated growth. She's an inspirational leader with a legacy of building world class teams and aligning organizations behind a clear strategy. She's also the publisher author of Amazon's best-selling book, More Balls Than Most, and she can be reached at lauramorgan.co.uk. It's her website. And also, uh, Centered Me is also one of her businesses. Please take a look at that website. And also on social media, I am Lara Morgan. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, CEO and Leadership trainer and business expert you can contact me with questions and comments at leadership beyond borders at gmail.com or join our linkedin group at leadership beyond borders or go to my website leadershipbeyondborders.net and with that we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back from the boardroom to you voice america business network Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders, and today we're talking with Laura Morgan, a British entrepreneur with a track record of delivering exceptional accelerated growth. She is also the author of a best-selling book, More Balls Than Most, and she's been giving us, Laura, we've been having a great conversation and some great advice that you've learned over the years um, through your experience and, and building your businesses. And I'd like, to, I'd like to ask you a little bit, you ha- had the story about 
one time in the bank and, and not getting the funding. Now, funding is is very difficult to, today, no matter what, okay? And with with 75% of all startups failing, um, you know, there's that, there's that risk factor you get from venture capital or angel investors. And, cool. But it seems that women, and there's been a lot of surveys that, that women, the, the Silicon Valley study that showed that men and women were given the same pitch, but the man was likely to get more funding. Um, what yep. about getting these businesses funded as an entrepreneur? Any tips for us, especially the women entrepreneurs listening? So, I mean, first of all, my own funding journey was one of those where I understood about cash, I understood about cash flow, I understood about profit, and I did my own numbers, and I reinvested relentlessly, underpaying myself and starving. And I think to some extent, I recommend that for some businesses, but different businesses require different profiles of investment. I think, I mean, the statistics are pathetic, and I think you can mm-hmm. support your story and play the game in the city or wherever it is you're asking for money by having the right team of people and the right representation. And, you know, to some extent, I think it's about the advisor group that you surround yourself with or the team that's in your management and leadership group. And what I would say is, is that Many, many times, and historically we know this, women don't ask for enough. Mm-hmm. They're not passionate enough in their presentation. You know, I would ask everybody that, that is listening, how many of you have personally gone and got sales training? And mm-hmm. the most important thing in your life we sell is we sell ourselves to our partners. And after that, probably the most important thing we sell in our lives is our own skill set for our jobs wherever we go. So when you're then representing yourself to ask for money, for somebody to put their hand in their pocket to, to, to risk their hard-earned capital, how strongly have you practiced, prepared, worked on the knowledge, done the numbers, taken from others to understand what is the standard of communication? How, how intelligently have you applied the mindset about your industry, those that are investors and specialists in the industry that you can you know, take investment off the table for? How well... Are you relating and networking or actually are you playing at it? And you know, this is partly in reference to the balance question because bigger businesses, you know, it is hard. The hours are long. I, I have never missed a nativity play, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. But I have run in with the phone to my ear and turned it off as Mary and Joseph appeared. Do you know what I mean? I mean mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's pretty pull and push and I've traveled relentlessly and I've you know worked long hours. I don't regret it for a minute because I've worked really hard to become, without being arrogant, an expert in my hospitality field, supplying, you know, world-class properties. And now I know about products and I understand about sourcing in China. And I think the application and the infectiousness with which people present what is, you know, sometimes described as their first baby when they talk about a business, you know, it's palpable in the ones that are going to get in. And, you know, I think, you know, it, it, it frustrates me, but I think we too often are too, I don't know, maybe women are just, frankly, you know, the nurture and the nature of what we do. But, you know, we've got to be more ambitious. We've got to be thinking about the bigger numbers. And, and I suspect the boys just have habitually worked this out before us and we're just catching up. So mm-hmm. prioritizing who we speak to, looking mm-hmm. for a, a, a U.S. You know, if you're looking for an investment and it's a U.S. dollar, you don't want only the U.S. dollar. You want the black book that goes with it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you haven't had sales training and you're going to go out and sell your shares, 
which is ultimately what you're doing when you're bringing in investment because you're exchanging them for equity, then burn bright, burn intelligently, be enthusiastic, you know, be energized, make people understand how passionate and knowledgeable you are about your industry. And don't be shy. Don't be boastful. Don't lack humility. Don't be arrogant. But there are an awful lot of things you do have to be. And, you know, maybe speak quickly to get as much information on the table. Make it, make it simple to digest. Um, you know, I don't need warranties. I need to know how you're going to make my money grow. So also mm-hmm. the communication to understand that this is about an investment. You know, this is not a game. This is not a hobby. Not when you're looking for real dollars and cents from someone who is, who is risking their capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And, mm-hmm. and I think the girls need to be, frankly, you know, and I don't want to be too sexist about it, but I don't find that mm-hmm. they have the persistence or the resilience or the energy that makes me go, you know, I can't, I can't not invest. Yeah. So it make it exactly. easy for me to say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the things I just heard you say, which really struck me, um, and I have worked with um, private equity and before, and is mm. the practice and the sales. Because I meet a lot of, and it's not just the women, but it, there are you know, men also who don't have sales backgrounds. And they don't know what they have to present when they get into that boardroom, when they get in front of those investors. Sure. And the practice is really, really important. And, um, and also the composition, the communication. So do, when, you, when you were looking at, you know, when people are coming to you as an angel investor, um, what are the three things that you look for when, you, when you're watching a presentation? So first of all, I primarily invent, I mean, I invest in product companies. I'm not a tech. Mm-hmm. So I need mm-hmm. to meet somebody who can really sell their product and understand their product. So the person and the product, are, you know, are everything in my top drawer. And yeah. nowadays, because I've learned some lessons, you know, do they have their mind around the financial figures of the business? You know, are they deer in the headlights? Have they abdicated responsibility for knowing how cash is made? Because if they have, I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. And then I think, for me, I think there's a sort of double-pronged reminder that, we have a responsibility with the environment these days. My investment in Yogi Bear, my investment in Centered.me, restoring lifestyle balance, the, the, the value of, you know, how somebody is considering their brand and the behavior and their track record, you know, and their intent with the product, with a social intent, whether it's, you know, buying a tree for every product you sell, whether it is literally... I, I was centered. Me, I, I am literally selling well-being in a balm with a mm-hmm. deep inhale and some amazing candles that change mood, mood. You know, they change your mood and they are therapeutic, but they are different and they are portable. So I'm also looking. The third thing, as much as I can do, is for a truly unique channel, which can be harder. So you mm-hmm. know, dry robe is the only change robe in the world that does what it does. You get into it soaking wet, you're dry and warm, and you can get undressed inside. Gate eight, you never have to check in your luggage, and so the uniqueness, capped off by you know a person that can represent themselves well, because ultimately they're going to be representing and selling their company. And I have to believe that they will want to learn and grow. And then in the middle part of the sandwich, a great business cannot be run without good financial knowledge. It is that simple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that comes with 
your suggestion in the first is even you as a successful business person, uh, the continuous learning is always very, very important. And reading the business books and and listening to other entrepreneurs and and learning from experts is quite important as you go, as you're developing. Because we never we never stop developing, do we? Correct. And I mean, you know, I get great joy out of learning, and I, yeah. you know, it's a new challenge and digital and exponential economy. But actually, I think that's what entrepreneurs are really good at. We're kind of sponges, and we want to know. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you were talking about looking at these products, and you're dealing mostly with consumer products and products, brand, how, how important is the ability to be able to brand that in this unique market? How important is that for you? So I think today, I think today it's vital, but I can give you a, you know, I built a global enterprise with the stupidest company name in the world, and I still sold it for millions. So, you know, I built Pacific Direct because my brother said, you ship goods across the Pacific and you're a very direct dot, dot, dot. Why don't you mm-hmm. call it Pacific Direct? And, you know, that's what... And it had no reference to hotel amenities or selling licensed brands. So, but now, fundamentally, with Amazon, with the marketplace where the consumer is wanting more of a community tribe and vibe, with an eco-consciousness, with a real underpinning of a really meaningful product proposition, you have to stand apart to make and build a brand, or else where is the value? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. So, Laura, this has been such insightful information, and we're getting towards the end of our show. So I would just, if you had, to all the entrepreneurs, whether they're women or men out there, if you had yep. three top tips that you wanted to, to communicate to them or three t- takeaways that you learned that could help other people, what would they be? For certain, invest in your people. Trust in them, invest in them, encourage them, accept mistakes. I think the second one is, you know, training sales yourself, but the whole point of an organization is to constantly learn. So, you know, the the cultural underpinning and an understanding that the consciousness of change is is a must-have. And I guess thirdly, um, you know, prioritization. So, Time is money, right? That is, that is a saying that is not enough actually equated into actionable, reportable, returnable numbers on investment. And if you do not get reporting and equations in your business that report time is money and allows you to know where you're getting, how are you returning on the effort you put in, you may be running yourself ragged when you could doing better. So the you know, there's a great book called The Power of Focus. There's mm-hmm. a great book called The Rainmaker, which is a sales learning book. And, you know, ultimately anything um, that helps us engage the right people, excite the right people, and reward people to grow and learn, then, then I think those are three things every leader can concentrate on. Great. And can I ask you for a couple other tips? So that's everything. So investing in people, training, prioritizing for leaders to concentrate on. What about women entrepreneurs? We have quite a few listening. Is there anything mm. specific, extra, that, that advice that you would like to give to the women out there? I think get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, the <laughs> truth is we're still yeah. horrifically the minority. I think when you're looking for investment, be really grown up and treat it like a building project so it's always double as long and it costs twice as much. So be real about that. 
And I think the other thing is, is that I see too many women carrying, frankly, B-grade players, the Jim Collins Good to Great book. You want A-grade players on your bus. And if people aren't prepared to be measured and they're not prepared to change and grow, then you have to do the right thing for them, which is always the right thing for you, which is you need to strengthen your team and say goodbye to that person. You treat them Mm -hmm. fairly. You treat them with respect. But business is business, and it's not a hobby. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, if you really, really have an ambition and a power to run a business, I think some of us need to appreciate that this people management stuff, of course it's tough. That's why you're the leader. But actually making the good leadership and people decisions could be, frankly, the difference between success and failure. Okay. Super advice. Well, Laura, thank you so much. It's been so great uh, having you on the show. Uh, And for our listeners, we've been talking to Laura Morgan. She's a British entrepreneur with a track record of delivering exceptional accelerated growth. Her investment strategy is pinned to Improving's life journey, and she is currently CEO, MD, of a portfolio of seven consumer services businesses, which she works with all of them on a daily basis. Right, Laura? Yeah, pretty I mean, much. I'm pretty much an interfering old witch, Kimberly, and you know I'm, I feel very <laughs> privileged to be in the world of enterprise. Yeah, and Laura, I've you know I've I've met you in person, and I've seen you at We, and and you're an inspirational leader, and uh, you have a legacy of building world class teams and aligning organizations with a strategy. And as Laura said in her closing remarks, she practices the art of selling and. Your advice is that everybody should learn to sell, okay? And you also create win-win customer partnerships with your brands. And your expertise is in strategy, customer insight, brand development, multi-channel and multi-site management, and organic or MA partnership-driven expansion. Now, for our listeners, if you'd like to reach out to Laura, you can reach out to her under Laura Morgan, and that's L A R A. M-O-R-G-A-N dot C-O-U-K. She also has the website with her products, these wonderful candles that we've talked about, Centered Me. <laughs> and she also, <laughs> what they, I've smelled them. They're really good. I love them. <laughs> so, Thank you. Uh, so I have to, you know, give a tip to, to go look at that website and order them. And then she also on social media, Laura's at I-A-M, Laura Morgan. And you can also read her book, which is on Amazon, which is More Balls Than Most. Okay. So, Laura, once again, thank you for being with us. And uh, for our leader, for our listeners, Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy, SRO, and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020, where we do executive coaching, leadership training, systemic team coaching certification, and motivational speaking and more. If you'd like to contact me, your host, Kimberly Lewis, please send me a mail at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or visit my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Also, we're on Facebook. And I'm on Facebook under Kimberly Lewis and on Twitter under Kimberly J. Lewis. And go to iTunes. We are a five-star podcast after we have our live on iTunes. Download us. We have great leadership interviews, great leadership stories. And you can also find us on Google Play. So with that, listen to us also live Tuesdays, 3 p.m. Pacific time every week. And with that, I'd like to thank you. And thank you, Laura, once again. And please tune in to us next week. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.